0: Hello and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Chief of Staff at the World Business Academy, and I'm here in a virtual room, thanks to Zoom, with Ronaldo Brudico, the Academy's president and founder. The World Business Academy is a 501c3 nonprofit action incubator dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility the communities and the environment their work touches we are recording this show on march 18 2020 please forgive any audio inconsistencies for as i mentioned earlier we are taking the social distancing recommendations to heart and recording this via remote tools before we get going i would like to invite our listeners to reach out to us at info at worldbusiness.org if you have any questions or comments about the show today or if you have anything you would like for us to discuss on future episodes, we would love to hear from you. As always, you can listen to us on the go using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Just search World Business Academy. All right, Ronaldo. so what are we going to talk about today?
1: Well, I uh, what else is there to talk about but coronavirus, COVID-19? And uh, I'm going to start with some potential good news. Uh, there's a... Just this, just reported a couple hours ago, uh, earlier today, that the French are working on a combination pill that uh, works off of um, quinine, actually, that's been used historically to stop malaria and solve malaria issues. And when it's combined with another drug, apparently has some virus-fighting capabilities that would affect coronavirus. So it's possible that there's a magic bullet out there. Also, there's Dr. Ho, who was the doctor credited with finding the way to end the HIV crisis, uh, which was done through manipulation of uh, and blocking of viruses. So he feels comfortable he's in the right space. He's been doing it for 30 plus years now, and he feels that with the uh, about 5,000 different chemicals in his library, he thinks he might be able to find a one or two that he can combine together to kill this virus. But as he points out in an interview he did a couple days ago... Even if he finds that in the next, same month, which would be extraordinarily lucky, given that there's 5,000 to test, uh, it would still take six to nine months to get it into uh, any kind of production. Uh, the same with the French uh, technique. It would take a little less because they're using standard drugs that we already have. But it, it, it will take a few months even then. Uh, of course, the also we know that the... The first vaccine trial on humans started two days ago. There's a male and a female who've already been, uh, in fact, I think it's now up to 20 people in the trial. And again, if that works, that vaccine, um, which they've been working on for five years, uh, Gilead Science, uh, pharmaceutical manufacturer, has been working on it with a professor, very distinguished professor of the University of North Carolina. Uh, and uh, just by coincidence, the drugs they've been working on for virus literally were on coronavirus-type viruses. And so they came to the, they, they came to a vaccine pretty quickly. Uh, the FDA let them start human trials pretty quickly, although they had completed animal and petri dish t- trials. Um, and if that vir- a vaccine, so one's a cure, the French are working on, Dr. Ho, possible cure. Uh, the vaccination <clears throat> is also, though, six to 12 months away, even if this vaccine that they tested two days ago starts to work. It'll take that long to get further testing, deploy it, etc., and to ensure against uh, the side effects being uh, within reason. So,
0: so those are rays of hope, but they even if they find them, then they're perfect. It's going to take quite a bit of time to ramp up production and to really deploy these solutions.
1: And that's if they work. If they work. Which would be yeah. revolutionary time if they work that fast. Yeah. So from the point of view of uh, the future prognostication, we are not going to have a medical intervention that will help us solve this crisis in the U.S., because the curve we are on right now is the same curve Italy's been on, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you look at that curve and nothing happens to change it, somewhere between two and well, somewhere between two hundred thousand and one point five million Americans are going to die. That's a lot of dead people. Uh, there's a church <clears throat> in in northern Italy where they have thirty-five caskets in 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 the in the aisleway because it takes over an hour to cremate somebody, and they're coming in dying faster than one an hour. So they're backing up.
0: It's just a uh, nightmare.
1: Yeah. And by the way, you can imagine the health implications in terms of death for the 550,000 homeless in America. Think of the health implications of uh, people who are in um, circumstances where they cannot stay at home. They, For whatever reason, they cannot physically stay at home and they're at all vulnerable. So with death rates running between 10 and 17 percent of infected cases, and I think that'll come down, by the way. I think we're in for an incredibly difficult time. Now, what can be done about it is the question. And the answer is a whole lot can be done even now. Even though the federal government has totally blown it up until now, a lot can still be done. Most of it today is going to have to rely on individual citizen action. So what we all need to do is to follow the CDC advice for better. In other words, stay at home. I'm voluntarily quarantined right now at home, and I will stay in this condition until, the, until this crisis passes. If that's one month, two months, three months, whatever it is, I've gone basically into seclusion, conducting all my meetings by, by Zoom, and by phone, and uh, looking forward to keeping my life going without getting sick and dying. And that's how everybody should be incentivized. Because even if you're a youngster, and I know one youngster I have in mind who's only 31, who normally would not be someone you'd be concerned about with coronavirus. But as I pointed out to this young lady, you have a bronchitis condition that's historical. Yeah. You've had it for years. You are a sitting time bomb ticking if you catch this thing.
0: Well, then you have, And then you have people, there's many young people who have diabetes, obesity. Uh, yes. These are all things that are indicators of not as good of an outcome.
1: And although we've dramatically cut smoking rates, we haven't eliminated smoking. And or look at the kids who've been vaping, mm-hmm. some of whom did not die from it, but many of whom had their lungs damaged from it that weren't damaged enough to end up in a hospital. So we don't know what that time bomb is ticking. So the number one thing to do is not just shelter in place, quasi-quarantine yourself. I mean, all you need to go wrong is for one of little, those little molecules to get into your house and you're done. But, so let's-
0: yeah, but it's not just for individual safety. It's also for the you know protecting the grandparents, protecting the people who are immunocompromised. Absolutely. Even if it's not you. So even if you're 23 years old and you're super healthy and you have a mild cold, it's your neighbor next door or the other woman on the bus or in the grocery store who goes right after you who you might infect and end up killing.
1: Yeah, and, and, and to that point... It's something we have to do as a society. In other yeah. words, what I said is the way to flatten the curve so that the we don't overwhelm our ICU beds, we don't overwhelm our hospitals, we don't overwhelm our medical staff. Do you know that Italy today has allowed ten thousand doctors to get licensed who haven't even completed medical school?
0: Yep. They're, they're that
1: short of physicians.
0: Yeah, they're triaging all the non-critical yeah. cases and, exactly. and that's what you have to do.
1: And it got away from Italy. It just got totally got away. And now putting the GD back in the bottle is almost impossible. Now in order to do this, we, therefore, individually, have got to respond by safe, maintaining social separation. Uh, when you, If you have to go out, only go out for urgent matters. This is not a time to get your hair colored or your toes painted. This is a time to stay home and protect yourself and your loved ones, and in the process, protect the rest of society. Because the fewer people who are out there banging into each other, giving each other that virus, the flatter the curve of the infection will come. So uh, when you clamp down, as the San Francisco Bay Area did on uh, about 8 million people, and say you can't do anything for the next three weeks, just stay at home. So I was talking to my daughter who lives in the Bay Area, and she was actually relieved that they did the three-week suspension of any activity where the lockdown is in effect. Because she felt that that was a way that she could be more comfortable that less of the virus was circulating. So even though she's holed up with two young children that are not in school, uh, fortunately hers are, uh, let me see, uh, 11 and 13. So it's not too bad, but she's homeschooling them. Um, and both these children are very very active students. They 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 have after-school activities. They have all kinds of things. Uh, and she feels like, okay, I, I'll do my part and, and juggle that and do the laundry and do the cooking and keep everybody happy. But at the end of the day... Um, if everybody else is doing it too, then I got a better chance that I won't have this problem. Right. So that's what we can do individually. Now, the government has, the federal government has totally failed us. Our state governors, particularly Governor Cuomo in New York, who's far doing the most, uh, Governor Newsom, to a lesser extent, Governor Ainsley Ainsley in, uh, in, in, uh, up in Washington is probably of the two best ones. Yeah. Uh, Newsom's got some work to do to catch up, frankly, uh, in California. And other governors are now stepping in. The governor of Michigan uh, is stepping up pretty substantially. So uh, with the states closing down schools and closing down ways that we can connect with each other, there's only so much the states can do on two levels. Number one, there's only so much they can do to control the virus because they can't stop... Well. They don't think they can stop the airplanes from flying. In fact, there is a way for governors to stop airplanes from flying. You know, the governor of Puerto Rico just requested of the FDA this afternoon to let them stop having planes fly into Puerto Rico for two weeks so people would stop infecting Puerto Rico. And by the way, I think it's an interesting story that people ought to be following for a bunch of reasons. And she hasn't got permission yet to stop the airplanes. What I told to a congressman recently who asked me, well, what are you going to do? The FDA controls the airports. I go, yeah, but they don't control the access roads. So, so- block the access roads to LAX and let the federal government come tell you what to do about it. It'd be a long, an interesting conversation, but LAX will be closed when they're having that conversation. Right. And it's going to take years or certainly months to open those roads if they decide to close them. So there's a lot of things you could do even if you are willing to take this on. But the, at the end of the day, the governors desperately needed help. The federal government did terrible disservice, Trump particularly, by minimizing it, calling it a hoax, playing politics with it, trying to get his base to think he was on top of it, when in fact he was woefully resistant. He fired the three people who run the pandemic office, the National Security Council. Those are the three people who would be running the pandemic response today if they existed. By the way, they were hired and the office was created because of the Ebola crisis, which the Obama administration successfully handled. So that to me is just like insane, right? Short-sighted
0: leadership, if I ever heard of it.
1: It's not even leadership. It's short-sighted silliness. I mean, this guy's basically emasculated the country's health services. Yeah. So until literally today, um, the uh, Health and Human Services was not allowed to dispatch FEMA or doctors or medicines. Only today, and this is uh, just for people listening, it's March 18th, um, did, did, did he allow the two hospital ships to be fully brought to readiness so they could sail within a week or less with backup hospital beds. It was just today that he authorized the uh, Department of the Army Corps of Engineers to provide engineering services to build backup hospital facilities, to convert dormitories, to uh, build triaging facilities, the things that the Army Corps of Engineers is brilliant at. And as of an hour ago, he had still not cut the military loose. And just to give you some idea what the military could do, first of all, the military has Dozens of instantly buildable hospitals because they have them in in case of war. So they
0: have have thousands of respirators, they have millions of masks, they have lots of uh, uh, equipment that they could be using and deploying in this situation. And and
1: we now know that what the federal government has to do, which it just started doing two days ago, it's not to start acting like this is a war because it Mm -hmm. is a war. It's a war for the survival of our very country. And For example, uh, just um, today, and there was an article in, I guess it was the New York Times that came out on the 17th of March, saying that uh, what we needed to do was to launch the the response from the federal government, and it talked about the Defense Production Act, which most people don't know about. And what the Defense Production Act was passed during the Korean War, I believe, what it said was, if the federal government thinks there's a crisis that's big enough, it can compel manufacturers... To cease manufacturing what's not essential and to begin making essential, they just activated it literally five hours ago, and we've known about this virus since December.
0: Yeah, five so, hours ago. So it's so, a mobilization moment.
1: Yeah, and 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 we they still haven't told who to make ventilators, but now they got to go make them. And by the way, I told you the day, Krista, I, I love the story out of Brescia, Italy, where they ran out of ventilators because they didn't have enough valves, and they found a three D printer in Italy who could print valves, and three people got them on the night that they started printing that that are now alive because of those ventilators that would be dead, but for 3D printing. So there's technological innovation, but most importantly, what the government's got to start doing is telling the truth, transparency. They got to get the public believing again when they tell them something, because right now the public, for good reason, doesn't believe the federal government. We believe the state governments. I, if, if Inslee says it in, in in Washington state, or Cuomo in New York, or Newsom in California, I believe him but if trump or pence says it you know and pence i'm getting tired of these press conferences every day where pence outdoes himself trying to use the name to try to curry favor with the president i think he mentioned the president by name indirectly indirectly 14 times in today's press conference i mean it, it, it's just it's just it, it's it's the worst worst kind of ass kissing i've ever yeah, seen sounds but like the
0: point sounds like the making of a drinking game for college students who, who, really. are, left, who are stuck at and, home
1: and so we've got an incompetent person yeah. like pence in charge of the national response. And he's now turning it increasingly over to the medical people and just looking like be what he should be, which is the political face of it. I think Fauci is doing a great job, and he's been warning us. So he's been telling us what do we have to do, and the answer is very simple: test, test, test. We are blind.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring up the South Korea experience, which I think we were talking earlier about how things have peaked there. Just a you couple. Let me we give you ago? those numbers. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, in in less than two weeks. South Korea has gone from 851 new cases per day to 84 new cases per day, a decline of 90 percent because of vigorous, vigorous testing, Um, drive-by testing, uh, testing tens of thousands of people, where in the United States today there have been fewer than 15,000 people tested, and you still can't get tested if you want to. If you go to, and there was a news story on CBS just this morning, where in Atlanta, people were driving to where they were told was the testing facility, but because they didn't have a doctor's written note telling them to take the test, they were turned away, even with symptoms. that's just plain insane. Now, we've got to stop that. I'll give you another number, by the way. In China, at the peak, February 26th, 27th, 14,108 new cases a day. From that peak to today, it's been a rapidly dropping curve. Today it was ninety nine.
0: Yeah, they've got it under control in their they, countries.
1: And they're going to, as a result, they're going to their economy is going to start opening factories. The problem is their customers are all got it now. Mm-hmm. So China's not going to be able to pop back like it could because the rest of us didn't do our job. They they did their job in South Korea. They did their job in Taiwan, by the way, brilliant job, never had a problem. Um, Singapore, same thing. It's not like we didn't know. And by the way, it's not like who WHO World Health Organization didn't supply us with free testing kits. We just turned them down. And then we developed our own, because we because Trump was being xenophobic. Which didn't work. And they didn't work. <laughs> and now we still don't have them. Such and for a- all the BS, a week and a half ago, there'll be four million test kits out in America this last week. There, there aren't 100,000 available today, I don't think. And if they are, they're in transit, or so widely dispersed, we don't have testing available for everybody who thinks they might need it. And we should be testing people multiple times, if they come in once today and they come back in three weeks, we should have a test for both times. Because if we test, then we know where the virus is. Once we know where the virus is, we can focus our power on it. But we're, we're literally like flying airplanes in a cloud blindfolded. That's how dangerous this is.
0: Okay, I think I think this is great, and maybe it's a good time to transition to some of the other dangers which we've been talking about, which are the economic well, fallout.
1: Well, let's talk about, yeah, because basically we talk a lot about economics in the show. So let's talk, well, this is you know, business and society. And by the way, I just want to say one good thing about business before I go to the numbers. Uh, the business leaders I've been talking to, and I've been in constant commun- communication with numbers of them through Just Capital, um, the, they get it. They get that this is, the largest economic collapse in the shortest amount of time since the Great Depression. In fact, I believe the market's now dropped 32% um, in a very short period. It's, that's so yeah, as fast as it happened Since in around the, the
0: peak around February 26. it's, yeah, it's yeah, 32%, 32% down. That's
1: 1929 type numbers.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's either equal to or worse than 1929, but yeah. it's right up there. So we're talking Great Depression numbers. We're talking about an unemployment rate that when this started was at 3.5%. That's going to spiral to 10 to 15 to 20 to 25, and I believe it'll get as high as at least 30% before it stops. I want you to think of what 30% unemployment means. It's cataclysmic. It means no purchasing power in an economy driven by consumers. So, what do we need to do? Well, we need, first of all, I think the more enlightened members of the business community understand that business needs to take up some of the slack. And I, uh, if people want to see it, we did an article on this. Um, uh, basically, talking about some companies who've been leading this effort, like Costco, who instead of firing their food service handlers, turned them all into sanitizers because they can't give out food samples anymore.
0: That, that's, um, and that's published in, uh, it'll be on our website on Thursday the 19th.
1: Yeah, and look at that. And since we wrote that article, more companies have jumped in, uh, which I'm really proud of because they're they're realizing if they can take the hit, yeah, they'll have a quarter or two of bad profits or three, but they'll more than get it back in goodwill and they will have reduced the impact on the lowest paid people. When Hilton fires all its maids, which it's been doing wholesale, those people are unemployed and they're living paycheck to paycheck. If you took those same maids and you said, hey, why don't we donate those maids to the county government to clean schools and to um, clean public buildings, and we'll do it for a month or two. Let's do it you know, one week at a time if they're afraid to do it. But at least that way there's they get money. It, it reduces the the, the the depression that's occurring, the, the rapid deflation of the economy, and it gives us a, a, a way to buffer the impact. Now, I want to just talk a little bit about, you know, apart from the fact that um, I'm extremely proud and pleased, and I'm not saying this with any arrogance, but, you know, for those people who thought that I've been hyperbolic since October of 2018, talking about getting out of the market and buying gold, uh, obviously that's paid off. Month after month, year after year, and lately is paying off like, unbelievably. I, I think I'm looking right now; it's up. What, gold is up 187 uh, percent in one year. No, that can't be right. That's no,
0: 187 dollars in one year. 187 dollars, fourteen and a half change. A half percent since last yeah. year. But yeah. since since October 2018, it's gone up 21 percent.
1: Right, and here's the thing you should know: it's at the same time you had a decrease of what probably 32% in the stock market. Well, so if you add the two together... Yeah.
0: Actually, the last time the Dow was this low was January 13th, 2017, the week before Trump was inaugurated. Right, so, so
1: we're back yeah. to where we were, we're and then to, so, yeah. except except we're in worse soup now yeah. than we were then.
0: So if you sold so, in 2018, you'd be in great shape right now.
1: <laughs> absolutely, which I did. And, and you know, um, I don't take any pleasure in that statistic, but what I said at the time, and I've repeated numerously on this program... If you buy gold, you won't have to worry about what's coming, because it's coming. And I don't know whether it's coming one day, six months, a year, but it's coming. And when it comes, you're going to be able to go to sleep every night knowing your gold is safe. And it's going to go sideways. It's not going to go down. might go up a bit. Well, it's gone up a lot. And you don't have to worry about the volatility of the stock market, which is basically a manipulation anyway. In fact, one of the things I hope happens on this uh, and the coronavirus could force us to completely rebuild our economy in, com- in fascinating new ways. For example, Andrew Yang got laughed at for saying you should give $1,000 a month to every American. I think they're going to build it into that new bill that they're starting to mark up right now, the trillion-dollar bailout. I think what you're going to see is Americans getting $1,000 a month for at least two months and maybe longer. Well, that's a great way to put money in people's pockets because they can't afford to buy groceries. Let me give you an example. There are 15 million people in the American restaurant industry. I got to think like maybe 13 million of them are out of work today, right? I mean, it's like, or they're on their way out of work. And if they're working for tips, they were, they've were they been, they've been yeah. desperate for weeks. Yeah. So the point of my story is, God gives you lemons, you got to make lemonade. The federal government is starting to realize way too late, but it's got to catch up. It's got to do way more than it's doing to help us get around and get our arms around. In the meantime, we as individual citizens, right? by practicing great hygiene and social separation, we can help to flatten that tsunami. <laughs> Cuomo calls it not a wave, but a tsunami is right. And so we can do that. The federal government has to do its part. The state governments have to continue to do the hefty, heavy lifting they're doing. And what's going to happen with the business community is those of us who can afford to cushion the blow for the least paid of our workers need to do it. And we need to push, which we are all doing in the business community now, the federal government, to assign money in this new one trillion dollar package that goes directly into people's pockets.
0: Right. I was gonna. Not. Yeah, and right. not. I was gonna bring that up because I know, like, the airline and other industries are asking for large bailout packages. Yeah, but as you I, know, in our last bailout for some of these places, they used a lot of that money to buy back stocks and well, to, to, to boost to, to their. their own, to give you, yeah.
1: Yeah. To give you an exact number. Uh, Just Capital published the definitive paper on this after the buyback, after the the whole thing had gone through the system, the tax rebate, 95% ended up in the pockets of shareholders or executives. 5% went to employees and plant expansion. We were had. We knew that at the time. Mm -hmm. Many of us said that at the time. The show said that at the time before it was passed. And that's what happened. So no real long-term benefit in fiscal stimulus. And we paid this huge amount of money.
0: So how can we ensure that this money, if they do do more bailouts right now for these different industries, goes into people's pockets and not into investors' pockets?
1: Well, I, I was just talking to Congressman Salud Carbajal about this, actually, a couple hours ago. Um, and, and I'm preparing a paper, as you know, because you're going to help me working on it, uh, you and Benjamin, Christie, um, We've been doing a whole series of suggestions for that trillion-dollar package. So what we're saying is if, if the trade-off for $60 billion for the airlines is all student debt is eliminated, period, gone. Um, we're talking about, um, but when I started to say that one of the ways we'll reform the economy, how are you going to pay for this? Well, one way to pay for it is to put a one cent tax on every share that transfers. Why? Because that would be the end of program trading, which has been the bane of our existence. That's what put all the speculation into the market. And it makes the market unfair because if you have a fast computer, you're guaranteed to make money. And if you don't have a fast computer, you're pretty much guaranteed to be on your own. So the idea behind how to structurally change this is pick ways to put money directly into people's pockets. Eliminating student debt does that. $1,000 a month or 1500 or 2000 a month to every American. That, By the way, just to give you some idea, $1,000 a month to every American is about, uh, it's got to be 18 years of age or older. I'm going to say it's probably close to $280 billion. So if you do it twice, that's $560 billion, which is half a trillion. You see how this adds up pretty quick? This is yeah, not pocket change. Yeah, it's okay. not. But if you do that, what happens is you have people spending money, and that will start to bring the economy back up, and it will start to bring employment back up once the disease vector is brought under control. So we can't repair the economy till we take care of the, the health crisis. But the health crisis is about to become a bigger financial crisis than the health crisis
0: itself. Right. And I think I've seen already that many economists, most economists are saying we've already hit, or we're already in recession. Now, whether whether it's going to be a, a short recession or a long one, uh, it, it, this, this one. Uh,
1: no, I can tell you, it's going to be a long one. Okay. And the question <laughs> is, is it going to be, no, is it going to be so severe? Yeah, how deep? How deep. And how prolonged? And will we have the smarts to get out of it? Now, the current administration clearly would not have any idea how to get out of it. And so we've got to hope that the the Democrats take the White House and the Senate, because I believe the Democrats are capable of getting. And as you know, this show is not about promoting Democrats. I am not a Democrat. I'm 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 actually unaffiliated. I'm an independent. But uh, the 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 abject mess that the United States Senate has made of our economy, in conjunction with the President, uh, is uh, uh, intolerable, unforgivable. And what we would all say in Wall Street is. We deserved it because we, we thought that these guys were going to give us tax breaks and less regulation, not realizing that when you gut the federal government, the way we've gutted the regulations in our world, not just the EPA, but the CDC, um, uh, you know, every other thing you can imagine. When you do that, you are asking for trouble. And the first thing that comes along that throws you off, kills you. It kills you. And that's where we are. That's where and we are. And we are right now in dire straits. So... Uh, well I'll give you an example. Another way to do the bailouts is I wouldn't bail out um, the hotel industry because the um, if the hotel industry starts to lose a whole bunch of properties that will close, and they will, great. Extra beds we can convert for excess hospitals. And we don't need to worry about what happens when tourism comes back after the coronavirus ends because we have Airbnb. And Airbnb will put the money directly into the pockets of homeowners. So even though, as you pointed out earlier, Christy, only 30-some percent of the public owns their own home, that's 30% of the public that would be getting cash from people staying at their house, which doesn't have to go to Starwood or Hilton. So keeping Hilton open with unattractive economic properties, not a good idea. Another idea we've come up with is, and and uh, I, I think Salud liked this one a lot, and I want to congratulate Salud for calling and asking what we thought, Uh, He is my congressman, but I've been talking to about five different congressmen now about this, Uh, and I'm pleased he called initially to see how I was doing because of my age, and then we started talking, and I have been filling him with these kinds of details. Well, I said, you know, we should create a new uh, a new bureau under the Department of the Controller Currency, most likely, Um, and what it would do is it would provide a loan program to every small business in America, which is going to get written into the bill, but it should do it in a way that we know what the small business was doing before it got hit with coronavirus. So if it was already losing money and going broke, they're not going to get much help. If they weren't, they can. And and I can apply this to the retail sector and others as well, but I know we're running short on time. So um, is you, is there any other question I can respond to quickly? And, of course, we'll do this again. And maybe, Christy, we should do this in a week.
0: Yeah, we could try it. We could do a follow-up in a week, I think. I think,
1: it, I think we should because it's moving too fast.
0: It's moving very quickly and like for example the Senate the Senate just passed a bill today, the House passed a bill last week. So we we don't even know what kind of recovery packages are going to be coming out. It'll be interesting to see there what they do. Exactly. Um um, I know that we talk, we've been talking a little bit about Brexit and I think the pound reached its lowest rate since 1985,
1: 35 year low against the dollar. And my prediction, which I told you a long time ago that would happen, it's going to, it's going to go lower. Mm-hmm. It hasn't hit bottom. And when people realize what they did to themselves for Brexit, it's like when we elected Trump, we didn't know what we were getting into and coronavirus is helping us figure that out. If we didn't already yep. know Brexit is going to be the piece of resistance, <laughs> um, and uh, the pound is not coming back to its current level for many, many years, if ever.
0: Right. So and, so anyway, the, this is the context of the world that we're living in right now. We have to track this carefully. This is the fifth risk, as I don't know if you read Michael Lewis's book from last year talking about how the Trump administration wasn't funding or even putting people in place in the Department of Agriculture, the Department of Energy. Right. All of the public health system. He was just his gutting decision, these. his
1: decision to quote purge the deep state. Quote unquote. The deep state is full of really capable bureaucrats that keep us alive and healthy. Yeah. And the idea that he would go and and, and put a loyalty oath—that's what Putin does in Russia. We we everybody in our government takes an oath to the Constitution, not to a human being. And for Trump to want to purge people because they aren't loyalists to him and to go looking for them. And using right-wing ideologues to design these lists, just like we did during the McCarthy era, that's why we're in the trouble we're in, and we've got to put a stop to this. And the United States of America has got to realize we, the people, have got to take control of the situation and demand of our government, and we're starting to do. By the way, all of his BS aside, because he didn't pass the bill last Friday, Mitch McConnell passed today 90 to 8. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Uh, be- why? Because he's realizing that the Republican Party will not survive this. And they shouldn't for what they've done to the country. But uh, I I think that I'd like to end with um, one quick observation. Um, I wasn't sure how this was all going to work because you went to your home, I'm at my home. I've been doing all my meetings by Zoom and uh, except for the minor glitches we had on this call, it's worked really well. Uh, I've been able to see the people like you that I'm talking to. Uh, We've had meetings with six, eight, 10 people all on separate Zoom screens. And uh, we just decided today, as you know, that the way that we'll end this conversation today is with a glass of wine at 5.30 that we will hold up and clink (laughs) through Zoom so that we don't even have to go to a bar. So folks, please, stay home. (laughs)
0: Our Zoom happy hour is about to start. That's why we have to end this call right now.
1: (laughs) Zoom your happy hour. And uh, tune in next week and uh, tell your friends to listen to this program so that they can get the best of current information because it's going to be fast-breaking. And if you haven't bought gold yet, it's not too late for those who are wondering.
0: Okay. Well, thanks, Ronaldo. This is a really interesting show, and I'm excited to see, uh, not excited, I'm interested to see what happens over the next week.
1: Actually, excited probably applies because I got to tell you, I get breathless sometimes we thinking live at about the implications. <laughs> the implications of what we're doing uh, It's sort of like, I wish I didn't know what I know because <laughs> it's really very scary. And now we have to be on our game. We've got to be more on our game than ever. So, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Stay safe. And talk to you again in a week.
0: Wash your hands and don't panic. (laughs) (laughs) Stay calm and carry on. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everyone. Thanks.